You are listening to special pandemic coverage of the coronavirus on the John DePietro Show. And good afternoon once again, folks. It's John DePietro. Good afternoon to everybody on Facebook Live. Just find my page, John DePietro Show. You can also revisit some of the videos from yesterday. We were out and about. I will be out and about again uh, this afternoon. Uh, we'll see exactly where the news brings us. But then big news, of course, is President Obama is going to address the nation. Former President Obama is going to address the nation at twelve at uh, 5 o'clock. I believe he's obviously going to try to call for peace and try to calm down uh, the looting and the protests and everything that has just gotten out of control. We're going to talk to Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. Folks, just reminded, this portion of the John DePietro Show is brought to you by J.K.L. Engineering. Now, listen, it's going to be a hot summer. Keep nice and cool. Call J.K.L. at 401-351-7600. 401-351-7600. J.K.L. Engineering, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts over 53 years. It's very simple. Why not be nice and comfortable in your home? Over the next few months, it's muggy now. It's going to be a hot summer or make sure your cooling system is working efficiently and effectively. Call J.K.L. Engineering 401-351-7600-401-351-7600. Well, folks, he was right there. His coverage of the riot that took place in Providence. I'm trying to keep track of what day it was. It actually the protest started in front of the mall on Monday night. It really erupted into early Tuesday morning. But joining us from the Globe is our friend Dan McGowan. Good afternoon, Dan McGowan. Good afternoon, John. How are you? Well, I'm fine. But um, if you don't mind, I would love to hear, and I haven't heard this, you've written about it, but I'd love to hear a little bit of your play-by-play as you were there well into the early morning hours of uh, Tuesday. Yeah, I pulled uh, my first all-nighter, I think, since wow. college. Uh, and, you know, I'll be, I'm happy to, to talk about it. You know, John, I think, interestingly, I was, uh, you know, kind of working your normal a normal day on Monday, and I have to tend to work pretty late, and so I was uh, I was driving home at, I don't know, I want to say 10 o'clock, 10.30. I live in Providence, as you know, and so uh, I drove past the State House, and when you what was remarkable, and honestly, I hadn't, because I'd been wrapped up in my own work, I didn't really hear very much about, you know, what was going on. And I, I didn't know, in fact, that the mall had been closed for a couple of hours. And so uh, you saw this remarkable police presence. I mean, every parking, uh, all the entrances to the parking garage at the mall, but you also had people, uh, uh, the police at uh, the ICT entrance, you had a at- every corner of the state house and I, 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 I thought wow well, of course you're instinctive okay there's some news here but I did a drive around probably for about a half an hour in that market, let's say between 10 and 11 o'clock and what you notice is there were so few actual protesters at that moment I mean you know you could probably count on maybe on two hands you know how many people you could actually see and so you know, you're, I'm thinking, okay, like, clearly they, they think something's going to happen, but there was a part of me that thought, um, this might be overblown and, and uh, you know, that nothing is nothing is really going to happen. Of course, I was wildly wrong because within, God, you know, certainly by 11 o'clock and, and then as the night got on and, you know, you, start, you started to see more people, I mean, people came from every which way um, and, and, you know, talking to the... the Christian Perry and other members of you know, people in the Providence Police Department, 
control of this, and then everything just became completely overwhelming. Um, and you noticed it. I mean, you know, you, you would see you'd see the aggression in terms of you know protesters move towards police, police move towards protesters. You know, kind of the same thing we're seeing uh, you know all around the country. But as the crowd grew so large. Um, and, you know, you, you started to get the feeling that, boy, something really bad's going to happen here. It's not just going to be, you know, a confrontation where we're going to get a couple of videos and pictures. It's going to be interesting. Um, and, you know, before you knew it, oh God, what, well, probably around 1130, I guess, you know, you, you started to see people kind of making a run towards the mall um, and, and, you know, going up their steps and getting in. Um, and to be honest with you, we still didn't know at that moment how many people had actually gotten into the mall. Right. You saw people running, but we didn't really know. It turns out dozens and dozens of people were, you know, actually made their way through. So you think about how much, you know, how many people have to be there for you to be able to break through the police brigade that, that they had between the state police, province police, and of course all the other local police departments. Um, it was a it was a scary scene, and then John, what was really um, where things really went off the rails? Of course, you know you you, you see the the, the, the uh, police cruiser you know start to catch fire, and it, 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 uh, I think you you covered this, but for folks who are listening might not realize that the effort to get that police car to set that police car uh, on fire was extraordinary. I mean. You know, they ended up finding, I think, uh, a manhole covers in the car. Shows you how much people were trying to break in. I talked to Commissioner Perry about that, and he said he felt like that was a, uh, that was kind of their sign. It was like a symbol to be able to, you know, break in and potentially set that car, you know, uh, on fire. That was, you know, the, the thing that, that there were people there that clearly they really wanted to do. And as that fire actually took off, it took a long time for it to really happen. And as it took off, uh, what, what the police started to realize was, oh my God, you know, there's a chance that car could blow up. I mean, anything could happen. And so, you know, they, 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 they did the tear gas, um, which, which, you know, is a fairly common use of, of for, uh, you know, non-lethal force. And what happened, and you saw it right away, as soon as that happened, you saw people running in every which direction. In fact, by that moment when that happened, I was up by uh, the state house, kind of on the, the, the cheesecake factory side of the mall. Yes, and um, the that was the one of the only times of the, of the night that I felt truly in danger because I thought there was actually a chance you would just get a stampede type situation because so, I mean you could see people running towards me. You saw people certainly running towards downtown. You saw people running towards, you know, the train station. Um, and then, you know, it, it, it was almost like an entirely different scenario played out. You know, once the, the terrible fire and, and everything happened, uh, you know, near the mall, the break at the mall, um, I got a text from, from a source who said, hey, you got to get down here to Westminster Street. Uh, this is crazy. And to be honest with you, I think the police were so overwhelmed with everything happening by the mall when I got to Westminster Street, I parked my car right next to that Eno wine store that was uh, heinously looted. Right. Um, there was I, the only thing you saw were people in these stores, I mean, right next to me, walking through the windows. Um, I saw people, John, hand 
handing bottles, you know, liquor and, and, and wine to people in cars and just wow. driving off. Um, I watched, it, it, in fact, at one point, it, it started to calm down. You saw police kind of make, finally get over there. They made a, a run uh, through, and so, you know, people dispersed. But then it started again. Um, I was in my car and, and, and just, again, observing it all. I'd actually gotten out to take some video, got back in my car, and you saw another group, a separate group of people kind of look around. They didn't see the police, and they went into the stores again. Wow. Um, yeah, and you watched this entire thing happening. Um, and, and, you know, that was uh, something I've never, of course, never experienced before. But, I mean, talking firsthand um, experience of being of watching people, uh, you know, break windows, and, and you know, we you can ask some questions if you want. But one last thought on this is, as this, um, you know, as I, I started to realize, okay, I got to get, you know, I got to get out of here, and it was starting to quiet down. And I think police had either they either used pepper spray or another tear gas to kind of disperse the area. Um, so I started to drive up, and you know this area very well that that area around Johnson and Wales yes. University. And there's a Starbucks yep. on uh, right there on Chestnut Street. Yes. And so I'm driving, and I see another group of kids, and I'm thinking, okay, like they're probably not kids, I said, young-looking people, um, and they're you know hanging around, but but not doing anything right away. And then I look to the side, and they're breaking the window of the Starbucks. Wow. Um, and so it was, yeah, it was an incredible scene. And uh, I, mean, I think that explains everything that, that, that I saw, at least. But, yeah, I mean, when I tell you that I was right there to watch it happen, um, uh, yeah, I couldn't have been closer unless I was actually doing it. Dan, and folks, on the line with us is Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. Dan, from 11 to 11.30, were they arriving on foot? Were they parking their cars? Were they honking as they were arriving? Um, like, in that span of just 30 minutes, just a rough estimate, how many people would you say suddenly were right down in front of Water Place Park uh, in front of the mall? I would say, John, you went from, let's say on that personal first impression, I, I said you know, maybe you could count the number of protesters on one hand. Right. Let's say... Between 11, you know, let's say around 11, maybe 11, 15, you could say there were, I don't know, 30 to 50 people, okay? Okay. With, by 11.30, 11.45, there were, you had reached your 250, 300. So wow. the numbers were huge. And to answer your question, because it's important, I saw people showing up from every which way. I huh. saw a lot of people on foot that yeah. to, to, to come from different places. But one of the things that was interesting about being by that, that uh, you know, on the side of the state house and, and by the cheesecake factory is the number of people who I saw, you know, with, with police all around, by the way, yep. you know, drive there, park in the middle of the street. Wow. And just, and just get out. Huh. Um, I must have seen that happen five, six times with three, four people in each car. So what was wow. clear was you're starting to see people you know, whether they were seeing it on social media, you know, we want to be a part of it. I, I, I can't really speculate. I did, I, I tried, you'll laugh at this, but I, I tried to have some of these conversations with some of the people who were, um, you know, who were just there. That, at that moment, I didn't know whether or not they were, you know, 
planning any violence or if they were just protesters. But as you can probably imagine, it was a very sort of intense situation. Oh, yeah. Really wanted to, nobody really wanted to talk to the guy from the Globe. Um, and so it was tough to tell sort of where, you know, how people were finding out about it. Um, at one point, I, I did run into, and this is interest your listeners, interest you, is um, I, I ran into Councilwoman Kerwin, who, of course, represents oh, yeah. that neighborhood. And um, uh, I mean, it's actually unfortunate. I, I got video of her. We, inter- we did an interview, and it, for some reason, it never made it onto our website. But, um, you know, her initial reaction was much, much different huh. than uh, what the, the, you know, what the mayor and the governor said the next day. She, her view of this was um, what, what you would expect, given she's a progressive and all that, but she, she first said she thought that, that the police had, had uh, overreacted. Yeah. Um, she was pretty critical of, of that standpoint. She was adamant that there were absolutely people there, you know, who, despite what the, the idea that this wasn't a protest or, you know, this had nothing to do with what happened in Minnesota. Um, her view was different. She felt like people were absolutely there for that reason. Uh, and then she, of course, agreed that it, it clearly got out of hand. But her take on it was a lot more of the, you know, this was the police that, that made this, you know, a bigger problem than it was. Now, I didn't talk to her after, you know, everything happened. And so I don't know if she, she, she's changed her tune or anything like that. But, but I will say, as a public official, and she represents that neighborhood, um, her view was was much different at 2 a.m. On, on Tuesday morning than Mayor Lorza's at 8 a.m. Well, she's been, and just, uh, folks, good afternoon. It's Sean DePietro. I speak with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. Just to put this in context, Kat Kerwin, she is the city council person that she was, um, she initially condoned the violence on the Christopher Columbus statue last October. She also, she she kind of felt like, you know, it kind of goes with the territory, some minor civil disobedience. She was extremely critical of the Providence College students, called them racist for being outside partying when they had that little parade for them. But Dan McGowan, you know, she also has been silent since this whole thing happened and something that I know I don't think it's gotten in the reporting, but I'm actually surprised. I've been checking his Twitter feed, and someone who's very uh, out there on social media who's been completely silent is the former mayor of Providence, David Cicilline. He hasn't tweeted anything about – he was the mayor there for eight years. He still represents Providence as CB1. He hasn't mentioned it at all on social media. He still just keeps attacking President Trump. And by the way, John, is probably at his – with the exception of that first term, which you covered him – as mayor, I mean, that, that yep. was the peak of his popularity, of yes. course, has, has never been more popular than right. it is right now. I in know. Rhode Island. Um, so <clears> you're <throat> right, and you, you did see others. You saw Sheldon Whitehouse, you know, a, a somewhat generic statement, but you saw him put out, you, you of course saw the governor and the mayor, you know, get out there, but you're, you're right, it, it is noticeable. Um, in fact, bad job by me, because you're, you're totally right, that he, he, he's somebody who, um, oh. he doesn't get to just be the congressman. No. It's his city. He was at the rally on Saturday, and he posted pictures right. of himself and at the rally. I would, yeah, I would assume we'll be there on Friday. When on Friday, now, Dan McGowan, tell us what are you hearing so far uh, about the rally, and then I do want to touch on Mayor Loris and Governor Mundo because I think the governor's. I, I mean, I was there talking to her yesterday. I think as the day went on, she got angrier about the whole situation um, from where she was initially early on. But uh, what are you hearing about Friday night? Yeah, and I should caution, um, uh, because I want to be clear that 
uh, I, and I admitted this to you before, you know, I was, I was pretty in the dark on Monday. I, I, I'd seen a little bit of social media, but, I, you know, I was surprised to see how things, of course, you know, escalated and played out. Um, and so similarly here, what I'm hearing is, you know, you're going to see a massive turnout, in fact, a, 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 a real effort, I think, from a lot of the, you know, public-facing, whether they're elected or not, you know, community leaders in this city to really try to uh, to have a massive turnout in the daytime. Um, what's interesting is that, that, you know, we now have a curfew in place that will remain in place on Friday. Right. Um, and, and I think you would agree that <coughs> you were everywhere yesterday. Curfew works, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. Clearly, uh, clearly it worked. And so I am hearing a little bit here and there about, oh, there, potentially there's going to be, you know, more protest or more you know, rioting and more things like that. At the same time, I mean, you and I were texting a lot last yesterday, and we were hearing a crazy amount of rumors, uh, whether it was Pawtucket or Cranston or Warwick, and, you know, it's tough to say. Was it the curfew or was it completely overblown in the first place? Honestly, it's it's tough to say. So right now I feel like I'm, I'm, uh, you know, uh, preparing for a, a very kind of standard but large rally in the afternoon on Friday. But um, you, you can bet I probably won't be uh, uh, sleeping very much just in case yeah. something happens Friday night. Do we know any time or anything? Uh, I mean, I did speak with Brother Gary, who's basically the local leader of Black Lives Matter. He also talked about that. I haven't heard an official time, um, but have you heard of a, a time? Because, Dan, as we've seen around the country, if it, if it goes into nighttime... And then it hits nine o'clock. That's when then, as you saw last night in New York, things get dicey because then it becomes a little bit of a game of chicken between the police and the protesters. That's such a good point. And this is a tricky thing. So the time that I've heard and the time that I'm working off of, and it's possible I'm wrong, but I, I believe it's 430. Is the time 430. That, okay. That, That's that what I heard. Was, was hearing. Yeah. Here's the thing. And, 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 you know. What, what protesters, even the, you know, let's say the best and best-hearted protesters, um, uh, and that may not be a correct term, but you know what I mean, even those, those people do not like when uh, the mayor or the governor or any elected official tries to interfere with what they're doing. They're fine with saying, hey, you know, congressman, great to see you, mayor, governor, great to see you, but this is, you know, they, they very much like when they're the ones organizing it. And so, I wonder, you know, do you get in a situation where people say, hey, there's a 9 o'clock curfew on Friday, um, I'm the mayor, I'm the governor, can, can you push this up to, say, 2 o'clock, right? right? Try to give a window. I think you get a ton of pushback from community leaders. I think they're yeah. really set in their ways about trying to get this, you know, done then. And you're right, I mean, it's 4.30, let's say the sun goes down at 8.39, you do run a risk. Of, of, oh, yeah. of having that exact same problem that other places have had. You know, you also, um, t- I'll tell you how serious they're taking this. I was tipped off uh, right around 11 o'clock this morning that Brother Gary, uh, I have a source at the State House who told me that Brother Gary and some of the leaders of Black Lives Matter were arriving at the State House to meet personally. They had been summoned by Governor Raimondo. 
Now, she has her briefing this afternoon at 2.30. Um, I have that from a solid source of someone who works at the State House. But that, that to me, just shows you how serious they are taking this. And, Dan McGowan, you know, listen, you covered a governor, Mundo. You tell me. I thought that was extraordinary that she went out of her way to even, number one, say she was disgusted, but said that she believes this was even outside organization of uh, this wasn't I, I found, you know, when I saw Mayor Lorz's press briefing, he said no National Guard. He wasn't sure about a curfew. Boy, Governor Mundo, we are calling in the National Guard. And then suddenly Providence is a curfew over the next seven days. Um, what is what was your take on just her demeanor from yesterday? Well, she showed, uh, you and I have talked a lot for the last couple of weeks about how she can use her, you know, political uh, capital yes. um, and, and just her influence. It's not just political capital, it's influence. Um, and this is the first test, right? We thought it was going to be the budget or, or something minor, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, this was the first test because you're right. I think the mayor was always going, I'll, I'll tell you this, I haven't yet reported on it because it, it, it hasn't made it its way into my stories, but. I literally walked around the city um, on, on Tuesday morning at about 5 a.m., oh. uh, walked and drove around the city with the mayor's uh, communications director, Emily Kroll, the yes. spokesperson. And we literally did like a walk around or walk and talk around uh, and kind of surveyed the damage because they were they were in the dark, too. They were only seeing what was on Twitter. Um, and I, thought, I said, hey, get in the car. Let's just drive around. We'll talk about it. Um, and, and while we were talking, I said, look. You know, you guys are obviously going to have a press conference today. You know, do you think a curfew will happen? And I think what what her thinking was, she she thought the mayor would be pretty upset and would want to take some sort of action. By the time the mayor had his press conference eight in the morning, um, you know, he, he was I think he was much calmer than than he than I expected, and then much calmer than the governor I think was. You know, he, you're right. I asked the question, "Are you going to do a curfew?" He said, "It's on the table," but right. I want to talk to the governor. Um, you know, the governor showed uh, extreme amounts of, of, of power and kind of leadership. She she wanted to do this. Um, I heard she wanted to do a statewide curfew, wow. and then kind of kind of backed off of it a little bit. And you know, it, it was probably smarter to try to convince the mayors that that that, that, that were most at risk to get it done. Um, and so, and was able to do it. But you're right. I mean, within only a couple of hours, uh, we went from, boy, this is an unfortunate situation that makes us feel really bad, but, but remember you know, what this is all about, to the governor really taking it by the horns and saying, nope, we're going we're to bring the National Guard in, we're going you know, to do these curfews. Um, I, I thought it was, you know, I, it's hard to say good because you, you, you want to say, well, where were you the night before? You know, how did you guys right. see this coming? But... For, you know, for the aftermath, I thought she handled it um, with with fairly strong leadership. Again, could have done more earlier, and there's no question about that. Dan McGowan, do you think as someone that I, I'm going to put you, I think you've Follow the city, you've covered the city, you know the city, I think, better than anyone that I know of. But do you think what threw Mayor Alorza off in that he did an 8 o'clock press briefing right around, I think, between 8 and 830, uh, somewhere in that window. But he, um, and I saw the video of him touring Cafe Nuovo, which is just terrible. And there, by the way, I've heard the Elisa's up. So that that would be a real, uh, I don't know, maybe they renewed it, but it was was up. That would be terrible if they ended up leaving the city. Terrible. But, um, do you um do you, do you think when someone asked him and mentioned the word Trump, 
Mayor Loza almost on cue said no. Do you think that that just is his, that is his natural reaction to if he hears the word President Trump, he goes against it? Because it, because he, what he initially said in the morning did not pan out in the day. As Governor Mundo was like, guess what? There's going to be a curfew in Providence and I'm calling in the National Guard. You nailed it, yeah. yeah. I think that he, I think his natural inclination when President Trump is brought up, look, he's not the only Democrat in the country no. that feels no. that way. That, that's how he is. But remember, this, this goes very similar to you, something we've talked about a lot, you know, when it comes to reopening from coronavirus. Yes. The governor, the governor and the president sound actually fairly in lockstep. It's yes. totally a totally difference, but, you know, they, they both want to reopen as quickly as possible. Mayor, when he gets asked, you know, what do you think about the governor's thoughts? He's very supportive. But when you ask about the president, he says, you know, the guy's going to kill everybody. And so, yeah, I think you're right. I think when, when you get, when he's asked the question, look, the little known secret in, in journalism in this state, if you ask Mayor Lewis about, you know, something about President Trump, you're going to get a pretty good headline, right? Yes. You're going to get people to pay attention. Um, and, and I think he, he, he automatically rejects it. Um, Again, he's not the only one, but given the situation, uh, you know, it probably would have been maybe more helpful to take a nuanced approach, uh, you know, at 8 a.m. yesterday morning. Dean McGowan, when you were there late Monday night into Tuesday morning as this thing was unfurling, now, were you aware that the state police were up at the state house in riot gear? Because what what I've learned last night um, was that they were there, but they were there to protect the state house. And what also, I think it's somewhat been underreported. But last night, I think, as you know, I did a Facebook Live in front of Providence Place Ball. I had one of the, the police, I had three majors around me at one point and two captains. And one of them joked and said, right now, you're the safest person in the city of Providence. But what I also learned that and that with those people, they were planning on trying to burn down Providence Place Mall, and and to the police to the credit, stopped it. But this is the level, Damagon, we're talking about. They showed up with canisters. Can you imagine if on Tuesday morning people woke up and if you were there and suddenly Providence Place Mall was, was ablaze? I mean, this is, it's hard to fathom what their intent was. And if not for, as the Boston Globe reports, nearly 60 state troopers and 60 police as much as they were outmanned, but did you see the state police up on the lawn in the riot gear protecting the state house? I did, but to your to your point, which is astute and, and, and is, is accurate, I think their initial intent was to be there in a, a standard uniform, yes. you know, blocking all of the entrances. What you saw, it was very noticeable, which you very rarely see, where I believe it was three state troopers uh, state trooper vehicles, you know, right at the steps of the state house, you know, on the, on the back lawn side. So you, you saw that, and that was incredibly noticeable. What was interesting, and it was good that I was actually in that area because I could watch it all happen. As the, you know, as the fire started to, to, to break out worse, you did see the riot, the folks in riot here, John, came from, for the most part, from the state house. So wow. they... You know, they marched together through, um, uh, you know, down the steps, down the, the, the lawn, went to the mall, and then they came back, you know, I would say 45 minutes to an hour later, you know, uh, and they all did the same thing. They, they came back in force together and went right back up the lawn to the state house. So at least that group came from there. I will say, too, you know, I had a lot of different 
um, vehicles around me, and I, I watched as a group of uh, two state troopers were initially there, I think, for crowd calming measures. They were kind of saying, you know, at one point they told me I couldn't move beyond where I was, which is fine, that's understandable. They were trying to keep that, um, you know, they were trying to keep the crowds from doing that as well. And then they switched gears and, and they literally went into one of their vehicles and changed. And they didn't have exact, it wasn't right here, but they, they certainly changed it to something more. I don't know if it maybe was more body armor or something. Um, and then made their way as well towards the, the, the larger crowd in, in, in the fire. And so, um, you know, what I, I think what was happening was I think people, the law enforcement had to really change gears really in the moment. But yes, to your, to, to your question, uh, they did very much, at least a, at least a large group of, of the riot gear uh, troopers came from the state house. What I was also told, and again, folks, good afternoon. It's John DePietro with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. But I was also told by a trooper, Dan, who said that he, he was saying to me, saying, but you don't understand. He was there and said that the glass had not been repaired from the weekend. And he said there, there his main fear and some of the fear of the troopers at the state house was that they, they felt they were going to overtake and go into the state house. Can you imagine wow, if they had, yeah. in fact, taken over the state house and just... Folks, that's how serious this was the other night. Now, Dan, I wanted to ask you, at any point, were you in fear of your safety or could they tell? Were they too busy running around or was there ever a dicey moment for Dan McGowan in the in the thick of all this? You know, I, I, I don't want to overplay it. I, okay. I, I felt safe. I'm so confident in, my, in myself. I, you know, I don't want anyone to feel bad for me. I think the only two moments that one could, could you know, that it felt dicey is a good way to put it where... After the tear gas was shot, yeah, um, and people started running, I even saw some of my colleagues in the press kind of really running, or, or, or at least moving very quickly to get in their cars and get the heck out of there. Um, and you know, I was sort of there. My car was was parked right over there as well. So wow! I, I sort of wanted to be able to take it in. That felt nerve wracking because you people were, um, there, you know, this was probably the highest endorphin drink that people could be on. They're running. They're intense. Um, and then the, the other thing was, you know, being on Westminster Street when there wasn't a cop in sight. And, and again, to the credit of law enforcement, they very quickly did move in there. But, uh, you know, there was a moment where, uh, you know, we're talking several dozen people are kind of running up and down Westminster Street, ransacking it as, as we saw they did. Um, and here I am with a notebook and, and, a, and a cell phone. So, you know, yes. To some degree, that could have, that certainly in hindsight could have gotten way worse and could have been very dangerous. But no, I mean, at, at no point did I, I certainly wasn't hurt in any way, and I didn't feel um, at all that nervous. I kind of wanted to, you know, the adrenaline goes for us too, as you know, and, and we kinda, I kind of wanted to be able to be there to capture it all. Dan McGowan, I'm reading right out of the Boston Globe today, and it says, quote, Colonel James Manny, superintendent of the Rhode Island State Police, blamed the destruction, unquote, Organized anti-government types such as anarchists and members of left-wing radical groups and Antifa-like groups. Uh, do, you, do you want to expound on that? Do you ever think you'd see that from a quote from the head of the Rhode Island State Police? No, I mean, and, and, and when I come, although I don't know, I, because I believe he made that comment multiple times at multiple he did. moments yesterday. Um, you know, at first, when I, when, when I first saw that comment, I believe, I, I think I saw it from Channel 12, I thought, boy, 
it seems like the state's going to make the same mistake that that was made in, in, in Minnesota and elsewhere, where they're going to say that this was, you know, out-of-state organizers that did this, and then very quickly we knew that that, that wasn't the case. Um, but, you know, it, 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 you know nobody, nobody quite went that far to say out-of-state, but this, this idea of an organized effort is very interesting, um, you know, for him to say Antifa, of course, that opens up an entire another you know can of worms uh, politically as well. Uh, yeah, I don't think I've ever expected him to to say that. And you know, it's hard not to take the head of the state police at his word, right? It, it, I don't think traditionally the head of the state police um, you know just goes on a whim and says things. And so that's and, and that's one of the reasons, John, that that you know why you did a very good job yesterday of being in a bunch of different places, why we're going to continue to monitor it yes. the next couple of days, because you just don't know. And again, go back to what we said at the beginning. I underplayed it. At, at the beginning of, of Monday night, I thought it was going to be a minor thing that maybe there'd be, the police would overdo it and uh, was completely wrong. And there's always the chance that that could happen again, especially if it is organized, which, which we don't quite know yet. Yeah, and that is also, I want to echo what Dan said. From time to time, you know, these rumors start to take off. Someone said, I saw something on Facebook. I heard the same thing. I was dismissing it. And then uh, Monday night, right before I was going to kind of turn off my device and so forth, it was around 1030, right around there, 11 o'clock. I did call a Providence police officer I know. He said, I'm down here right now. It's quiet. We've heard that, but we don't think it's going to be anything. And then... You know, an hour later, all, all hell broke loose. Dan, I'm looking right now at the pictures that you had. And again, as someone that has uh, covered the city, I mean, it, it's just, you know, Eno Fine Wines and, and uh, the parking meter that they did a number on in the shoe store and Hotel Providence. And and, and it's just um, it's just sad that this, this is happening because anyone that knows Providence, it's hard enough for them to try to keep the retailers there, keep people going downtown, P-Pack's closed, Trinity's closed, the Dunk is closed, and then you have this. This is just beyond cruel for so many of the business people down city that, that try to earn a living and have a business there. Well, and so many of these people who, who I, I can't even describe, and I, I'll admit, I didn't even realize until the pandemic how kind of thin the margins yeah. these folks kind of uh, rely on. And, you know, the, the amount of, of devastation that, that, you know, people think, I, I heard too many people say, boy, insurance will cover a broken window. I, no. I, get, the, I, I, I get what they're saying, but I, I, I kind of got to reject it. I mean, you know, the, the amount of terror that you saw um, uh, happening, I, you know, I, I don't think that will be forgotten. No, you know, one of the things that I that you know, aside from the god the awful pictures that, that I was able to take, uh, you know, early um, yesterday morning, you know, the, the other scary scene is last night. Let's say when you're looking at and you, you had a great some of these great in Cranston, but you know, boarded up, yes, Seven uh, Eleven oh. and restaurants and liquor stores. I mean. You know, I wasn't here when, when downtown Providence was, was a particularly scary place. I've never known it to be that way. It reminded me of everything I've ever heard bad about the city of Providence, right? Yeah. Just places completely shut down that look like you couldn't live in them, basically, because they're, they're boarded up and, and there's nothing going on. And that's what many places, I think beyond Providence, but certainly in Providence, looked like last night. 
Folks, we're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. I'm going to let him go in just a moment. But, Dan, something else um, that, to me, yesterday, that was the first time that I believe we've seen Mayor Lorzer in quite some time. Because after he got pushed back, and it was a national story about shame people wearing a mask, he kind of has been out of the public public eye. He never commented on the Providence thing. Uh, his pro- excuse me, the PC controversy, mini controversy. He uh, He's kind of been quiet with the reopening of phase two. Yesterday was the first time that, that we've seen him. Very much so. What was the first time that I've seen him uh, in, in, a, in quite a while, to be honest with you. Mm. Even, even in private, you know, I haven't wow. seen him. We haven't done a Zoom call. You know, you haven't done anything that would be normal with, with this mayor. Um, yeah, I, I think that's right. I mean, I think he, um, I was a little surprised, honestly, given, uh, I mean, there's only been a few, uh, you know, public safety, uh, you know, nightmarish moments that we've seen. You know, you of course, think about the, the thing that happened in the mall a couple of years ago. You know, you think about the shooting of the kid outside Central High School. Yes. You know, the, the, the mayor's only had to deal with a couple of these, and the mayor really likes to take a sort of hands-on approach. He, he enjoys you know, putting on the, the windbreaker and being next to the commissioner or the chief. Yes. Um, uh, I, I, you know, and so for him to not be anywhere until we saw him at 8 a.m., um, that was surprising to me. I, I thought for sure I was going to, you know, bump into him uh, uh, somewhere at 3 a.m., uh, you know, yesterday. Uh, and, and then sure enough, he did, he, you know, he, he, of course, had the press conference. But you're right, it was the first time we've seen him in a while. Do we know, before I let you go, do we know uh, at any, did Mayor Lorza, did he consider going to the scene? Uh, was Governor Raimondo in Providence as this was going on? I asked the governor yesterday, did you think of coming down? And at first she kind of shrugged it off like, well, no. But then I, I think in her mind she was thinking, actually, I am in charge. Maybe I should have been there. Um, but just any idea, do we know where they were or did there was no talk of them coming down? I mean, sometimes you'd see a mayor do that. Or governor? Absolutely. But yeah. I mean, you certainly, you, 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 you can pretty much bet David Cicilline would have been there, too. Yes. I think Angel Samaras would have. Yes. Uh, the man was home. I know that. I checked. Uh, that was the, my first inclination was, God, make, make sure he's home, or make sure he's in the state, because that's, of course, a story. Uh, um, and, and so he was home. Um, I don't know what his thinking went into okay. uh, not I'm sure he would say, I want to let law enforcement do it, but of course that contradicts other decisions that he's made previously. But again, that, that just that gets into a, a battle that's not worth fighting. Dave McGowan, just two quick things. Number one, happy anniversary, the one-year folks of Roadmap. But also, just quickly, hundreds of Rhode Island teachers face layoffs as districts grapple with the virus fallout. Now, under most circumstances, folks, this would have been a major, major, major story. Uh, it's certainly looming out there, Dan McGowan. And I uh, tell us about this story, because you're the first one that I'm seeing that's uh, getting a lot of these people on record. Yeah, well, you've seen it, you've seen it kind of piecemeal. You've seen a lot of, you know, Central Fold has gotten some intention for, for its layoffs, and, um, you know, a handful here in East Province is one. But what I tried to do was combine, you know, this is a problem that everybody has, so how many are we going to see? And the number's tough. I mean, we're talking uh, that we know of around 500 te- uh, teachers, um, potentially a, a little bit more, I think. Um, and, and the thing is, is that traditionally when this happens, Virtually all of them are called back, right? right. This is always a budget problem. Sure. Um, but, if, but even Bob Walsh, the NES union president, said to me, the, the thing is, traditionally, we have some level of predictability in what the budget's going to look like. So, yes, districts 
we'll, we'll do this, and, you know, in the end, it all kind of works out. In this case, when you, you have the potential, I put this in the story, you, the, the state could, in theory, cut about $100 million, a little under $100 million in education funding, um, and in, in the, you know, they would be in line with the federal government, they'd be okay to do that. So there is a real threat that if, if that were to happen, you'll see all of these layoffs, and I think you'll probably find districts in even dire circumstances um, going forward, you know, if, if that's the case. Now, it all hinges, John, on if the federal government comes through a little more, and if, if money, you know, can, can come through that way, everybody will, will you know, or many people will, will be brought back and it'll be fine. But right now, there's so much uncertainty, um, and I think, a lot, you know, I think a lot of teachers are probably scared, and rightfully so. Folks, uh, Dan McGowan, a year ago, he launched Roadmap. It's free. You get an email every single uh, day, daily briefing, about exactly what's going on. And he deserves credit. He was the first one to do it in our area. Now, other people have followed that. Uh, So, Dan McGowan, congratulations on the one-year anniversary of Roadmap. That, to me, it's changed the media dynamic because you go right into your inbox, you get the full rundown. Other people are now kind of duplicating what you did. How can congratulations and how can people get roadmap? Thank you so much. Yeah, two hundred and seventy-two of these uh, uh, newsletters have wow. gone out since, since last year. One year ago, uh, June third, uh, nineteen nineteen was when we launched it. And the easiest way to do this, if you have, if you're not a subscriber already, send me a blank email to rinews at globe.com. I'll know it because you'll send it right now. And it's uh, and it's blank, just blank to rinews.globe.com and start getting it first thing tomorrow morning. And like John said, you know, you would have, if you had gotten it on Tuesday morning, you would have seen really the first full uh, pictures of, of the aftermath of the, of the riot, um, uh, you know, from the night before. So there's plenty of new stuff. There's going to be plenty of our reporting, the teacher's layoff story, things like that. And then a rundown. What's the governor doing today? What's the mayor doing? It takes you five minutes to read. Um, and you get it every more every weekday morning. So RI News at Globe.com, you'll start getting it tomorrow. RI News at Globe.com. Folks, he is Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. Dan, great job. And I mean award-winning coverage on the uh, riot from the other night. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you again. You as well, John. Thank you so much. Folks, there he is, Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. And that was, he was um, out in the streets as everything was going on. Well, I want to say good afternoon. It's 1248. Everybody on Facebook uh, live. And folks, good afternoon. It is John DePietro. Weekdays, we start at 11. We go till 2. Governor Raimondo press briefing is coming up at 2.30 this afternoon. 2.30 this afternoon. And uh, this is uh, an ongoing Situation that is developing right now regarding we we have we spoke with Mayor Fung earlier. We want to know where things are going to go as far as the um, the curfews for this evening. I'm seeing ten more deaths, 107 new cases. The governor's briefing coming up at 2:30, and um, but right now, folks, look how quickly things have shifted into the focal point regarding the unrest now. President Obama, former President Obama, is set to address the nation at five o'clock tonight. And this is an interesting development to me because a lot of people have been saying, you know, this whole theory that he's working with Bill Gates and Fauci and they're trying to take things over. And now all of a sudden he's going to um, address the nation uh, at five o'clock. So we're very anxious to hear. And that'll get huge coverage, as you can imagine. The networks, I think they'll all carry it. I think uh, not only the new cable news networks, but they'll all carry it. 
I'm looking at some other headlines right now. NBA plans now returning July 31st, and we'll bring it to speed on um, on some of the, the other uh, news of the day. Hey, folks, I also want to remind you that you want your house to look the best it can. And therefore, what I suggest you do is contact our friend Jared at Bethel Certified Softwash. He is so talented. He's tremendous. He did a great job on our home, Bethel Certified Softwash. Now, you can text Jared at 401-617-2585, 401-617-2585, Bethel Certified Softwash. Now, look for them online. They have a great Facebook page, B-E-T-H-E-L, Bethel Certified Softwash. Look at them holding up to everybody on Facebook Live. Can I get a thumbs up? Look at that beautiful before and after of the house. He is so talented. He does such a tremendous job. <coughs> get rid of the staining, the green, the mildew, the algae. Look at that walk. Look how beautiful. Which walk do you want? Look at the before and after. Bethel Certified Softwash Power Wash. Look at that fence. Jared did a tremendous job with that fence. You know, my kids are like, God, Dad, uh, that man, uh, Jared, he did a great job with uh, the house. It's like giving you a bath. Look at the difference that. You tell me, do you want the house that has the green algae and the moss and the mildew and the green stains, or do you want the after? Bethel certified soft wash. And it's so simple. You can text Jared and same day. Now, remember, it's biodegradable, plant safe, low pressure. Uh, soft washing is the low pressure system. Bethel certified soft wash. Now, what you can do is take a picture of your house or fence or patio or deck or basketball court. Text it to Jared. Take a picture of it and then text Jared at 401-617-2585. 617-2585. His Facebook page is great. But if you text him, same day free estimate, Bethel certified soft wash makes a huge difference for your home well folks good afternoon right now it's 1251 it's john DePietro. now what we're going to do is uh next hour we well coming up we're gonna have the one o'clock news and then a lot more uh coming up next hour again this is we want to stay on it this is a developing situation it is uh we, this is a different time that we're living in where you have these this whole situation helicopters are in the sky military troops are on the streets um, that no one has been immune from this. And what that happened last night in Brockton is, is just terrible. And what happened in Providence? So now coming up, though, there are major developments to look for over the next couple of days. And I'm going to tell you about it next right here on the John DePietro Show. Company. Do you know what my customers are not doing today? They're not standing in stall lines waiting to get in to buy more bottled water. And they didn't have to scramble to get it when all this started. They're enjoying all the safe, clean water they want all year long. They're drinking it, cooking with it, bathing it. They're doing everything in it except searching for it, rationing it, and now waiting in lines. As this crisis further restricts your freedoms and choices and store shelves empty, I hope you now realize how important it is to take control over your own water quality yes. like thousands of my customers already have. Because when this crisis is over, your bad water quality won't be, and neither will your bottled water dependency. So ask yourself, do you think you're finally worth making a one-time investment for a lifetime of clean, safe water? If so, call my company, call Water Filter Company at 294-2400. Water Filter Company, a Rhode Island family business since 1986. Water Filter Company, 294-2400. Because is it really worth going through all this? Folks, the answer is no. And right now at 1253... Call Water Filter Company. They're right off of Route 4, North Kingstown, 
294-2400, Steve with Water Filter Company, a Rhode Island success story since 1986. You can depend on Water Filter Company, and you have a water filter installed in your home. You take it right out of that. You don't have to worry about bottled water. Water Filter Company, 401-294-2400, 401-294-2400, Water Filter Company. Folks, call them today, 4-0 serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts. At least call and get more information. Water Filter Company, Steve, you mentioned John DiPietro, you get $50 off, 401-294-2400, 401-294-2400. It's Water Filter Company. So we're going to have the 1 o'clock news and the next hour, another hour to go. Boy, how about a day of peaceful protests in Brockton, night of dangerous riots, fireworks, flares, tear gas along the barricade of National Guard troops, Massachusetts State Police, Brockton Police. It was 9 o'clock curfew overnight. This was last night now. State troopers, several Brockton police officers suffered injuries, aggressive agitators, um, it is it is just terrible how certain things are uh, coming apart at at the scenes right now. And then uh, all eyes are going to be on the Rhode Island State House now. Again, for the curfew for tonight, the curfew in Providence is um, nine to six, and that's going to be through June 9th in the city of Providence. It's in the city of Providence, and we spoke with Mayor Fung. He said, as of right now, there is no curfew for this evening. In the city of Cranston, we reached out to uh, Warwick, and um, and there was a, there was a curfew last night in the city of Warwick, but I believe that's been lifted. But you're going to have to wait and see. Pawtucket had one at eight thirty, East Providence even had one nine to nine to five last night overnight. I think unless they get some intel, but they definitely had intel, folks. I was there. If you saw the Facebook live, and go on my page, John DePietro Show on Facebook, and read it uh, and look at it. I was there. I mean, they were expecting some kind of a major event at Warwick Mall last night and maybe Midland Mall as well. I mean, I was there. You see the armored vehicles. You see the riot sticks. They were showing up in droves. It was blocked off. Uh, I, I don't know if they have information that is now they feel it's unnecessary to have that tonight. I will be over there later. I plan to be there in Garden City. The two seem to be two suburban targets for uh, potential riots and looting that could be going on. Folks, this portion, right now it's 12.56. This portion of the John DePietro Show, I am so happy with Winfield Termite and Pest Control. Call them today, 401-821-7800, 401-821-7800, Winfield Termite Pest Control, Rhode Island's most dependable pest control service. Family-friendly, you can trust for your home, 821 821- 7800 remove ants, termites, mice, cockroaches, any pest from your home, yard, business, or commercial property. Free estimate or schedule a home inspection. Winfield Termite and Pest Control 821 7800. They can protect you from ticks, mosquitoes, which can spread dangerous viruses. Protect your home. Family business and, uh, and business, and let me tell you, Winfield Termite Pest Control, they work with military-style precision. 
7,800. You don't want to take any chances. Listen, with everything we've been through, you want to enjoy your yard. You want to be able to sit outside without being eaten alive. Let alone, we don't know if whether some of these mice or other rodents could actually be carrying a virus. You don't want your children or your grandchildren or yourself to maybe get dangerous Lyme disease from the ticks. And it's going to be a bad mosquito season. Call Winfield Termite and Pest Control right now. Rhode Island's most dependable pest control service. Winfield. You'll win with Winfield. 821-7800. 821-7800. At least call. Free estimate or schedule a home inspection online. Winfieldpest.com. Winfield Termite and Pest Control. 401 821-7800. Folks, this portion of the John DePietro Show is brought to you by Ryan's Appliance Repair. Remember what we say. If your appliance is dying, did something break? Listen, he is so professional. Ryan will come in. He will fix whatever is wrong with uh, one of your appliances. If your appliance is dying, just call Ryan. 401-710-7096. 401-710-7096. Ryan's Appliance Repair. Repairs on all makes and models of appliances. Whether it's a dishwasher or stove, he fixed our dryer, he fixed our oven, he fixed our microwave. I had the hat trick with him. Ryan's appliance repair. When your appliance is dying, just call Ryan. 401-710-7096. All work is guaranteed for 90 days, parts and labor. And on top of that, Saturday appointments are available and senior citizens discounts are available Ryan's Appliance Repair. I swear by Ryan. People ask me all the time, who's your appliance guy that can fix them? 401-710-7096. I believe in him. He, I trust him. And he will do a great job for you. Ryan's Appliance Repair. And he's a beautiful family. His parents are tremendous, God-fearing people. 401-710-7096. 401-710-7096. Folks, good afternoon. It's John DePietro. We're going to have the 1 o'clock news. Another hour ahead. Governor Mundo press briefing at 2.30. A lot more to go. The latest now, potential riots tonight in Rhode Island. Keep it right here. So we're going to get an update in the 1 o'clock news. Former President Obama is going to address the nation at 5 o'clock tonight. That should be very interesting. But again, another big hour. The power hour is ahead. Leave it right here. AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Right now, it's 1 o'clock.